Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, One Life Church. It's so good to see you this morning. Welcome, welcome. So glad that you're with us. If I'm not had the opportunity to introduce myself, I want to take a moment and just say hello. My name is Rhett, and I'm the lead pastor here at One Life Church, and it is really the honor of my life to get to serve you day in and day out. Hey, before we jump into a message today that I'm really excited about, I want to take a moment and welcome our online church family. Come on, all those at the Civic Center, throw your hands together today. Welcome our online church family with us. Yeah, we have people all the way from California to Oregon to Washington, different places around the country, even Alabama. And we had somebody from Florida last week joining us, which is amazing to me how technology works. And however you found us today, you are our family. We want you to know that. And we're just so thankful that you've chosen to take a little bit of time with us. And uh, some of you send us prayer requests and we pray for you often. And we want to let you know that uh, anything that you need, that we can just be a family. We're your family, even through technology. So we love you very much. And we're grateful that you are along for the ride. I'm going to preach a message today entitled Closer, but before I tell you more about that, guys, can you believe that we are two weeks away from the greatest Sunday ever? That is Easter Sunday, everybody. Come on. Like, we are so excited about this, and I know you're already kind of planning on it, thinking about it, and I just would encourage you, if you're in the room or even online today, would you make plans to join us here on Sunday? We have two identical services, 9.30 and 11 a.m. on Easter Sunday. We got some special things in store. It's going to be a lot of fun celebrating the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We do it every Sunday, but it's pretty much like the Super Bowl of all Sundays for church around the globe, is it not? And so we're very excited about that. So invite a friend, invite a family member, invite somebody that may not typically don the door of church and just say, hey, come hang out with me. We're going to have a good time. And uh, let's just fill this place up and let's see people experience the love, the hope, and the joy that is our Savior, Jesus, everybody. Amen? And so what's really cool is, guys, last year we had several people uh, make decisions for Jesus. We had a little over 24 people last year make decisions for Christ alone on Easter Sunday. Is that not amazing? That's a great place to put your hands together. That's incredible. It's so while it is a day of celebration, it's also a day of just reflection in people's lives. And oftentimes it is a great catalyst moment for people to come into faith and, and build their faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And then because of that, we also try to be very intentional. The following Sunday, we do a very special celebration service and we do water baptism, everybody. And there are many of you in this room and even online who have given your heart to the Lord in the past six to seven months or even the past year, and you've yet to take a next step in following the the Lord's example in water baptism. And I just want to encourage you to put on the wedding band, what we call the wedding band of Christianity. See, I wear this wedding band and what does it represent? It represents that I'm taken. It represents that my heart and my life is given over to the most beautiful, courageous, brave woman on the planet. Her name is Linda Barden, everybody. So now this ring doesn't make me married. It just symbol, it, it's a symbol of our marriage. And so what is water baptism? It's basically a symbol. It's not a salvation moment. It is a symbol 
symbol that reflects your commitment that says, you know what? I have decided to follow Jesus. And I would encourage you, if you have not yet taken a step into water baptism, I'm going to encourage you to go to our website, olc.church forward slash baptism. In fact, if you just go to our homepage, there's a button that looks just like that. You can click that. You can register. Uh, We want to get as many people registered as possible. That way we know how to plan for you. And we will be doing baptism after both services. Uh, In times past, we've done it after the 1130 service, uh, or 11 a.m. service, I should say, but we're actually going to be offering it after each service on that Sunday. And for some of you, you, maybe you've had a baptism experience, maybe when you were younger, and maybe it wasn't as meaningful or uh, as you wanted it to be. The Bible doesn't specifically say how many times you need to be baptized. It just says be baptized. And so if you want to have a meaningful opportunity to do that, I would encourage you to do that as well. All right, you guys, we're a message note-taking church. Where are my note-takers at in the room? Can I hear a good amen? All right. So I want to encourage you today, try something new if you're not a note-taker. Text OLC notes to 94,000. OLC notes to 94,000. You'll get the, the notes will show up right there on your phone. Click a link. You'll be able to fill in the blank, follow along. I want to inspire you. I want to encourage you. In fact, today is going to be a lot of inspiration. I cannot wait to kind of dive into today's message and topic because it is very dear to my heart. But I don't want to just inspire you. I want you to see God's word for yourself. And it's pretty cool how you can just practically apply God's word throughout your week when you're able to reference your notes. All right, you guys. So today, as I just kind of simply said, today's message is something that radically has changed my life and my perspective ever since I was 16 years old. Today, I'm talking about the power of praise and worship. The power of praise and worship. I'm not getting a lot of amens on the front end, but I promise you by the time this service is over, you're going to be jumping, running the aisles and everything. I'm just kidding. For those who are guests, uh, some of you with some Pentecostal backgrounds like, yes, finally, this is my service, man. Come on, let's do this. Right? And some of you, my Baptist folk, more, you know, Episcopalian, you know, reserve folk who are in the house like, I don't know. I was just starting to like this church and we'll see after today, right? Um, But many of you may know my testimony if you don't. Um, Born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama at three years old. Uh, My mom and dad got a divorce, so grew up in kind of a broken home. Uh, My dad had custody of me, and so he did the best that he could as a single father. And uh, I was a latchkey kid. Any latchkey kids in the house? And so at a... From about three to seven, you know, don't know too much, but I would visit my mom's house on the weekends. But when I was seven years old, my mom ended up taking her life. She died by suicide. And uh, from seven to 16, I was just kind of all kind of confused, had a lot of trauma in my life. And uh, so I was just trying to find love in all the wrong places. And I looked everywhere that the world would tell you to look you know, and uh, I couldn't find it until I walked into the doors of a church that was much like One Life Church. And it was not the message that I remember. It wasn't the music that I remember. But what I remember is experiencing something so powerful that my eyes were opened. My life was changed from that point forward. I experienced the presence of the living God. I experienced God, not in some kooky, kind of crazy way. No, I experienced the power of the living God in a very tangible way. And in fact, when I began to experience his presence in a very powerful way in my life, it is what drew me in to wanting to know him. We have four things that we do at this church. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference with your life. And what I'm telling you today as a 16-year-old boy some 29 years ago, 
It was the presence of God that drew me into a place of wanting to know him in a personal, intimate way. It was the presence of God that drew me into a place of wanting to give my life to him because of the joy, the life, and the hope that I was experiencing. And from that point, it was also the presence of God that drew me into a place of wanting to find freedom from all the hurt, the pain, the guilt, the shame, the bad decisions that I had made up until that point in my life. And God began to do this process of finding freedom in my life, but it was the presence of God that drew me in a process of a day by day living in freedom every day of my life. It was the presence of God that brought me to a place where I began to discover my purpose, where I began to discover the gifts, the talents, the callings, the abilities that I didn't even know that I had. It was the presence of God that ultimately put me in a place that empowered me by his Holy Spirit to make a difference with my life. So if there's one thing, one desire, I have as your pastor, as your friend today, speaking to you, to you wherever you are. My one desire isn't to bring a great message, isn't to bring great music, and isn't really to have a great church. All of that is important. But my desire for you is that you experience the power and the presence of the living God. Because it is the power and the presence of the living God that will change your life. It's not curriculum. It's not great teaching. It's not a great church, even as great as all those tools are. It is the presence of God. So the question that I hope maybe many of you are asking in this room today is, well, how do I access that? Like, how do I put myself in a place where I can experience the presence of God? Because I long for that. Two words. It's in the power of praise and worship. Everybody say praise. Never say worship. worship. Say praise, praise and worship. worship. The power is in praise and worship. And so before I kind of tell you, you know, I'm, I do everything I can to make things as practical as possible in our church. But before I dive into the practical, I really want to tell you why praise and worship is important. Like, why is it important? I think that's a great question to ask. Why? Why is it important? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, praise and worship is important. Why? Because God loves it. Like God loves it, man. He's drawn to it. He longs for it. In fact, God loves it so much, he dedicated one book of the Bible, which, by the way, is the longest book of the Bible. It's called the book of Psalms. Psalms is another word for songs. And there's 150 chapters dedicated to praise and worship. And it, it's found all throughout the Psalms. But one of my favorite is Psalm 150. Look at this. 151 through 6. Three words I want to reflect on for a moment. Praise the Lord. Everybody say praise. 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 Some of you are still not feeling it this morning. I want to time out for a second. You know what this word actually means? In the Hebrew, it's the word halal. Halal. It's where we get the word Hallelujah. It's where we get this word, hallelujah. So what does halal actually mean? Because maybe most of us only hear this word, maybe, you know, at church or especially around Christmas, right? We're singing hallelujah, the hallelujah chorus, right? Well, let's look at the definition. Halal, it means to shine, het, to make a show, to boast, and thus to be clamorously foolish, to rave and to celebrate our God. Come on. Come on, cool in the gang ain't got nothing on celebrate. God designed this a long time ago, y'all. All right? And by the way, if you're new here, church should be enjoyed, not endured. 
And I think my hope is today that you begin to see this throughout scripture. Let's look at the rest of the verse. This is just the first reference of this. Psalm 151 through six, again, praise the Lord, halal, celebrate, right? Celebrate God in his sanctuary. Celebrate him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with a harp and lyre. Praise him with a timbrel and oh, 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 what's the next word? Praise him with a dancing. Come on, y'all. I'm a white boy. All I got is some jump. That's it. Okay, I can't do anything else, all right? But praise him in the dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Goes on to say, praise him with a clash of cymbals and just don't clash those, baby. Let them ring out. Like, let resounding cymbals ring out. Let everything that has breath, that's you, that's me, that's creation, celebrate and praise the Lord. And if you haven't got the message by now by 12 times he said it again he ends with praise the lord come on why 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 because god loves it god loves it and it's fun it's fun i love john 4 23 through 24 this is the passion translation god is spirit And he longs. I love that. He longs. Like, he loves it. He longs. He's drawn to it. He's looking for it. He's looking for what? Sincere worshipers at One Life Church who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. What is he basically saying? He's saying, guys, the kind of people the Father is looking for, the kind of people that gets God's attention, the kind of people that draw in the presence of God are those who are authentic, those who are sincere, And those who just have a heart that say, God, I just want to be with you. I want to praise you and celebrate you. And I just want to worship you. You know, God loves it. In fact, when I began to think about this concept, I was thinking, you know, for those who are married, and if you're not married in the room, if you've ever had just kind of this, uh, just a deep relationship with anybody, it's amazing the blessing that it brings and the intimacy that it creates when you begin to love what your significant other loves. Like, for example, my wife loves quality time. Now, my idea of quality time back, you know, 16 years ago (laughs) was like going and doing something fun, crazy, hanging out and being together, but not really being together, right? But my idea or, or Linda's idea of quality time is actually sitting down, looking at each other in the eyes and just having a moment where we're talking and I'm listening and I'm reflecting on what she's saying without trying to fix it. Come on, everybody, where are you at? I know I'm not the only one who experiences that in this room, but quality time. And so I've learned it's amazing to me the intimacy that it creates and the blessing it brings in my life when I love what Linda loves. And the same is true in our relationship with God. When you love what God loves, quality time, also known as praise and worship, it's amazing to me the blessing that it brings in your life. It's amazing to me the intimacy that it creates in your relationship. And it's amazing to me the power and how the power and the presence of God begins to show up in our lives and our homes and our marriages and our relationships and how it affects every other area of our life. It's absolutely amazing. So we worship God because he loves it. So we align our heart with what he loves, number one. Number two, if you're taking notes, we also worship for who he is for who he is. And this is so important 
because I need you to understand that our view of God will determine the type of relationship you will have with God. In other words, if you think God is angry, mad, and mean, and just kind of hanging you by a thread over the pit of hell and just saying, you make one mistake, I'm going to let go of that string and you're just going to burn, right? That was my perspective of God for so many years in my life. But if your view of God is that he's angry, that he's mean, that he's mad, trust me, you are not going to enjoy your relationship with God. Right? In other words, your view of God will not only determine your relationship with God, but your view of God will determine how you worship and how you praise God. Amen. So many of us, we don't enjoy our relationship with God, and so therefore we don't enjoy worshiping our God. Why? Because we just simply have the wrong view of our God. We need to begin to align our hearts and our lives to truly what Scripture says and the true perspective of who our God is. So who is he? Well, scripture all throughout the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament, there's so many examples, but I love a couple right here out of Psalms. Let's look at Psalms 100 verse five. I love this. In case you weren't aware, the Lord is good. He's good. In fact, the English language, we look at good like, oh man, that was a good food. That was a good meal, like satisfying. But the word actually means it's pleasant. God is desirable, like he's good and pleasant, desirable, he's friendly, he's kind, he's loving, he's gracious, like all these things line up with that word in the Hebrew and goes on to say his unfailing love. I love this. It's a love that never fails. It's an always and forever unconditional love. Like God's not walking out on you. He never will. He can't. It's not in his nature. He's not only good, but his unfailing love it continues not just when you're being good on a good day and coming to church on Sunday, right? No, it's forever and it continues forever. I love this. It's limitless. And his faithfulness, like his trustworthiness is beautiful, continues to each and every generation. This is amazing. So then what should our response be? Well, I love David's response in Psalm 145, one through two. Look at this. He says, I will exalt you. Look at the action statement. He doesn't say, you know, if things are going well, then maybe I just might be in a good mood and exalt you. No, he says, I will exalt you. Good, bad, and ugly. It doesn't matter. I'm going to make the choice. I will exalt you. My God, my King, despite how I feel, I will celebrate. There's the word. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Why? Look at verse 8 through 9. For the Lord is gracious. The Lord is gracious. I'm just trying to remind you of who he is. He's gracious and he's compassionate. I love that word. In other words, it means he turns his attention toward you and toward me. And look, he's slow to anger. He's slow to anger. And he's rich in love. Why? Because he is love. He's the true definition of love. And here it is again. He's good to all. And he has compassion on all he has made. Verse 13. For the Lord is trustworthy in all that he promises. And he's faithful in all that he does. And because of this, Psalm 145, verse 21. I will praise the Lord. I will exalt my God. And by the way, may everyone bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We praise him, we worship him, not only because he loves it, but we praise him for who he is. And then number three, we also praise him and we worship him 
for what he's done. For what he's done. And I'm just going to say, when I begin to understand and reflect on all that God has done for my life, I can't help but praise him. I can't help but rejoice. I can't help but exalt him every time I look back at the faithfulness of God in every season of my life. Psalm 103, one through five, David says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Like with my whole heart, like let nothing not in me, like, like everything that I am, my breath, my soul, my emotions, everything, my whole heart, like every thought is going to praise God. I will praise his holy name and let all that I am, again, I am, praise the Lord. And here's the key, may I never forget. And oftentimes we forget, don't we? But may I never forget the good things he does for me. So then here's the question, then what has he done for you? Well, I know for many of us, our journey has looked different, but I would guarantee there are some similarities. And let's look at what David says. Here it is. He forgives me of all my sins. Let's just resonate there for a minute. If God never did another thing for you and me, he's done enough by forgiving us of our sins, hasn't he? I know oftentimes in this American westernized culture, it's more like, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. I want more and more and more. Bless me, Lord, right? And God does want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. But honestly, like whether or not he ever did that again, he's done enough through the blood of his son, Jesus, on a cross to die, to rise again, to ascend to heaven, to pay a price and to pay for you and I's sin to bring us into a relationship with him so that we have an eternity forever in heaven. Come on. Right. This is enough. But it doesn't just stop there. My God, this is our God. Because, you know, he could have just stopped there. No, but look, he forgives us of our sin, but he also heals all my diseases. Notice the word all. Now, whether you believe this or not, it doesn't change the truth that he heals all your diseases. Now, it may be this side of heaven or it may be this, the other side of heaven, but at the end of the day, God is divine. He is sovereign and he heals not just some, but he heals all diseases, physically, mentally, emotionally. He heals all and he redeems us. Come on. He claims me from death. He sets me free from death and he brings me life. I love this. He redeems me and he crowns me. What does a crown do? It represents this encirclement. He surrounds me. He crowns me with his love and compassionate favor, his tender mercies, and he fills my life. Beyond all that, he continues to fill my life with good things. We're talking about why do we worship? Why do we praise him? Well, because he loves it, right? It's because of who he is as well. And when I begin to think of how God's forgiven me, not just of the sins that I, you know, that I made before I was 16, but even the stupid things that I still chose to do from 16 to almost 45, right? When I begin to think of how much God has forgiven me, when I begin to think of God, how he's healed me, when I begin to think of how he's redeemed me, when I begin to think of how he's lavished his love and his compassion and his mercy on me day after day, moment after moment, I can't help but say, God, I will exalt you, my God, my King, I will worship you for who you are and for what you've done. You're an amazing God. I will praise him. I will worship him. And even the disciples, look at Luke 19, 37 through 40. It says, the whole crowd of disciples, 
If you're just thinking this is some crazy boy from Alabama who's trying to hype you up, no, it happened to the disciples. Look at this. The whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic celebration in praise over all the mighty works that they had experienced and that they had witnessed. And in fact, they were praising him so much it was embarrassing the religious leaders. Look at the next part of the verse. Some of the Pharisees said, hey, Jesus, hey, teacher, that's not how you're supposed to act in life and in church especially. And look at what Jesus says. No, 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 no. No, look, look, they, they say, look, teacher, get your disciples under control. Can you just imagine that for a moment? You, Jesus, you better line up your disciples and your boys because they're acting all kind of a fool. They're, they're acting a fool in church. <laughs> he said, no, if they kept quiet, the stones would do it for them. The stones would shout praise. And I don't know about you, but I'm not letting the rock take my praise. I'm going to exalt him. I'm going to worship him. As for me in my house, I will exalt and praise my God. Some of you are starting to kind of catch on to it right about now. I promise by the end of it, you're going to get it. Okay. There was a military base in North Carolina and it not was, still is. And I don't know the name of the military base, but you can Google it. The military base was getting a lot of flack from the residents in the area because the military base was really close to the freeway. And this particular military base, there's F-16s flying in and out of that all day. And if you've been anywhere near, you know, a coastal city where you've got these amazing F-16s that come in, they're breaking the sound barrier left and right. And I think it's pretty cool. But the residents were complaining and complaining. And so they, uh, they put up a sign. Now, all the images online don't really look very well. So I'm just going to tell you what the sign says. You want to see what the government said? I love this. this is what they did. They put up a sign that says, uh, pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. Come on. You know, and when I began to think about this in the terms of celebrating and giving God our praise, you know, I may offend you. I may seem a little radical. It may seem a little crazy, but pardon my noise. It's the sound of the freedom that God has brought in my life, everybody. Woo, come on. It's the sound of freedom. I've been set free and God wants to set you free too. There's something powerful that happens in the presence of God. The access comes through praise and worship. We praise him because he loves it. We praise him because of who he is. We praise him for what he's done, but ultimately we worship him. And this is a blank you can fill in if you're taking notes. It's because worship changes everything. Worship, it changes everything. It's what I call like this glorious exchange. Some of you experienced it this morning in worship. Like the first song you came in going, okay, it's a little bit here, you know. Like it seemed like your, your problems were like this big. It's like all you could see was the hurt, the pain, the job, the coworker, the, the, mess, the stress in your marriage, the, the bad report from the doctor, whatever it might be. It just seemed so big. And then it just seemed like God was just off in the distance. But then all of a sudden you just began to reflect on the words that you were seeing on the screen and you began to lift your heart and begin to praise and begin to exalt. And all of a sudden these problems, something started to shift. This glorious exchange started happening. All of a sudden the presence of God just started to kind of come in in a new way. And all of a sudden now your problems seem so big, but now all of a sudden they seem to pale in comparison to the greatness, to the majesty, to the holiness, to the exalted God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And when you begin to see 
from his perspective of how much bigger he is compared to that problem, all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I know I got some things going on. But, you know, they pale in comparison to the greatness of my God. Something powerful, it changes everything. You know, your problems don't just vanish. They're still there, but your perspective to it changes. All of a sudden now you're empowered with something that says, you know, I know I'm going through some things, but God is greater. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And I may have forgotten it, but praise has reset me. Worship has reset me to refocus my mind, my heart, my soul, and my emotions back on really what is most important. And if you don't believe that that can happen, just try it. Let's try it. Because I could tell you this all day, but until you actually do it in your own life, you won't experience it. But try it, try it. And by the way, when you worship your enemy who has assignment on your life to steal, kill, and destroy, he has to take a back seat. Like, it's not an option for him. It's not a maybe. No, it's a, he has to flee. He has to take a back seat. Look at this, Psalm 18.3. David said, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise. And when I called on the Lord and the presence of God showed up, he saved me from my enemies. He saved me. Some of you have been overwhelmed by the enemy for way too long, and I'm just saying it's time to pick up the weapon of warfare that God has given you, and that is your mouth, that is your breath, that is your praise, and that is your worship. And it's time for you to say, as for me and my house, I know I've said yes to some other things for a little while, but no, no, as of today, as for me and my house, I will worship the Lord. And if you're married in this room, men, it starts with you. I just wanna encourage you men, it's time to rise up and it's time to take a step and begin to praise and begin to worship and allow your family to see it. Because not only will it change your life, but it will change your whole family tree. It'll change your kids. It'll change the atmosphere in your home. Why? Because it's God's presence showing up on the scene. And when God's presence shows up, it not only changes you, but it changes everything. This is good preaching. <laughs> yeah, you may not be getting anything out of it, but it sure is blessing me. So I'm preaching to myself this morning, okay? <laughs> So I get the question asked a lot, Pastorette, really, what's the difference between praise and worship? Like, you know, I thought they're kind of the same. And some people are like, well, the praise songs, like the fast songs, and like the worship songs, and the slow songs. And, you know, while that can be true, it's not necessarily true all the time. Uh, because what differentiates praise and worship is just this approach. And I'll get into it here. Um, and by the way, music, I, I just want to let you know, music isn't worship. Now, music can be a tool or a system that allows you to connect with God, but really worship is simply a heart that connects to God, right? It's a heart that connects to God. And so the reason we have praise and the reason we have worship, and I'm going to help differentiate the two, is because there's a protocol to God's presence, it's important for you to understand that there is, there's an approach that God loves. Now, God's always available. He's here, but there's an approach that he, like, he like, likes, right? And, and look at this, Psalm 100, verse 4. It says, enter, in other words, begin the procession into his presence with thanksgiving. Like with a heart that is just thankful. Enter his courts with, there's the word, celebration, Come on, come in and praise, celebrate, rave, boast, act clamorously foolish if you have to. Just give God the best, exalt him, honor him, just have fun and give thanks to him and praise him. And so praise, if you're defining it, the best way I can say it, it's kind of horizontal. It's like this, hey guys, our God is awesome. 
hey man, God is so cool. He's so amazing. Like, it's just kind of like right here. You know, it's like horizontal. Like oftentimes our first songs and in, in, you know, praise and worship on our services are kind of like, hey, look at what God has done and let's come together and let's just worship him. Like, let's, let's exalt him. Let's just talk about how all the great things he's done. It's encouraging. Well, look at the rest. Psalm 95, one through two. And then it says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and we extol him. And if we've got the ability to do it with music and song. So we enter with singing, we enter with shouting, we enter with a celebration. But then four verses later, look at this, it kind of changes into worship. Psalm 95, verse six. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now it goes from this horizontal, like our God is awesome, like to what I call vertical. God, you are awesome. It becomes intimate. It becomes personal. It becomes, God, you are holy in my life. You are amazing to me. So talking about praise and worship, there is order, there is a protocol to entering into the presence of God, into experiencing his presence. In fact, it's what Jesus said in John 4, 23. Again, we read this earlier out of the Passion Translation, but look at the New Living. It says, again, guys, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now, now, like now is the time when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. God is simply looking for people who will be passionate, who will be authentic, sincere, and just have a heart that says, God, I, I'm here for you. I love you. And I, you're just so wonderful to me. God loves it. God longs for it. And ultimately, God blesses it. And I've experienced this for 28 years, almost 29 years of walking in a relationship with God. I've been through a lot of hell in my life, everybody. My life is not super like official and polished. Like, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord at 16, but then a few years later, one of my spiritual fathers and mothers in my faith died of a horrific car crash. They both died. I had to walk through that tragic. I went through a couple years later after that in my really early 20s. Many of you know the story. If not, I preached it in other messages. But, you know, I got married at a young age and, and then went through a horrible divorce with a woman that I was married to, ended up cheating on me over and over and over again. And so I went through that traumatic experience. And the one variable that helped me through every moment in my life was what I'm teaching you today. Not only just because God loves it, but because I, I, I was in places that I could not take a next breath without experiencing something supernatural to give me the sustainability to take another step and to go another day. Because then I experienced what it was like to be over $200,000 in debt and almost have to file bankruptcy. Had to walk that, that road of 17 years of having to pay things off and out of debt. But the grace of the Lord, I'm debt free today, me and my wife now. And so like, and so walking through that, I've, I've walked roads of, of losing what it's like to be walk into your office and then the owner of the company flying on his private jet and say, hey, uh, we're shutting down the company and you need to go file for unemployment. Your check's in the mail and you never saw that check in the mail and have to walk that road. You know, I, I've walked the road of, of, you know, being fired and let go from, you know, organizations that I really loved and thought God was all about and, and using in my life. So what I'm telling you today, this idea of praise and worship and experiencing the presence of God is the key factor in my life that has grown me, sustained me, 
and allowed me to take the steps that I have and that allow me the opportunity to stand here today. It's the presence of God. It's what changes your heart. It's what changes your life. It's the presence of God that, that brings breath into your lungs, that helps you walk whatever, whatever you're going through. And although I've been through those hellish seasons in the valleys of my life, I've also had incredible mountaintops. And I wish I could go into those today. But the reason I mention even a few of those to you is so you know that the key in my life, I'm just preaching to you something that I've lived. I haven't got it right all the time. But what I've lived and what I've experienced in my life is when I align my heart and begin to exalt him, that not dependent on my circumstances, not dependent on my situation, but in the darkest moments of my life, when I begin to lean in and cry out, and just, God, I'm desperate for you. Something happens. It's not a message. It's not a moment. It's not, it's not a service. It's not community. It's something happens, and I can't explain it. My hope is at the end of this service that maybe we can have a time together where we can experience this together. So how do you apply this? How do you live this out? What does it look like in your life? Well, I mean, I could give you so many different ways. I'm going to give you two. Number one, write this down. You just got to get to the place where you praise God and celebrate him with all that I am. This little patty cake, golf clap for Jesus. Like, there's nothing wrong with that if that's where you are in a season. But I guarantee you, you go to the club on Friday night, you ain't patty caking in the club. Or let me bring it to you. You're watching the Super Bowl. I promise you, when your team scores a touchdown, you're like, oh, man, look at that. L.A. Rams scored a touchdown. Amazing. I don't think so. No, you are celebrating with all that you are. And guess what? All the people in the room know you're excited and even your next door neighbor in the backyard, right? Everybody knows. You're like, woo, come on, touchdown, baby. Woo, celebrate. I'm gonna praise my God, not how I feel, but on who he is and what he's done. He saved me, he's healed me, he's delivered me, he's set me free and I am not perfect, but my God is sustaining me and I've got to experience his presence. I love my God. God. You do that in the world and they call you foolish. You know what I'm saying? But you do it at a ball game like, oh, you're, you're a fanatic, man. We like you. But you do it with God and they think you're crazy. It's twisted. And I'm saying we've got to praise God with all that I am. And this is a choice. It's a decision. You're not always going to feel like it. Trust me, more nine times out of 10, you're definitely not going to feel like it. And some of you may be saying, well, Pastor Red, I really don't want to be a hypocrite. I mean, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I've done. I just want to remind you, we don't base our praise on who we are or what we've done. We base our praise. We base our worship based on who he is and what he's done. God knows what you're doing, but he knows that's not who you are. He may not like what you're currently doing, but he's patient and gracious enough to meet you where you are and to, to help you through every step. In fact, if God had a refrigerator, my friend, I bet your picture would be on it. Scribbles and lines and stuff that looks ugly. Like you walk over to a neighbor's house, you're like, eh, what, who did this? Oh, little Susie did this, isn't it beautiful? You're like, no, man, that looks nasty. I don't know what that is. You know, now you're not saying that, but in your mind, you're thinking it. But the mom and dad are very happy, even with all the scribbles and messed up and out of the lines, right? God is no different. He loves you. So let's, Mark 12, 30. Let's love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Like, give him the best, not just on Sundays. 
Give them the best. And here's the last one. Not only do we need to praise God all the time, but number two, worship at God expecting him to respond. I probably should have highlighted the word expecting because that's huge. Having this anticipation and expectation that when I begin to worship him, that his presence, he's going to respond to it. You know, Psalm 22, it's not on the screen, but you can read it. It says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. He encircles, like he, uh, other people have kind of translated that into a, he inhabits the praises of his people. God loves to hang out in praise and celebration and worship. Look at James 4, 8. So what do we do? Well, we come close to God. We take one step closer to God. Why? Because then God will come close to you. You'll experience the power and the presence of God in a beautiful and amazing way. And so we're all worshiping something, every single one of us. Every one of us are prioritizing something above another in our lives. So the question is, what are we worshiping? Are we worshiping the applause of man? Are we worshiping affirmation? Are we worshiping affection? Are we worshiping people? Are we worshiping pleasure? Are we worshiping money? Are we worshiping and idolizing other things in our life above God? Like, what are we prioritizing above God? Because whatever I worship, write this down, whatever I worship becomes an obsession. Whatever I become obsessed with, I imitate. And whatever I imitate, I become. And my greatest hope as your friend today is that we all, we all become the men and women of God. Living lives filled with the presence of God, experiencing him in wonderful, beautiful ways in our home, in our marriage, in our finances, in the way we do life and the things that, how we live our lives. Like this is our hope that we become this, but it doesn't happen alone. It doesn't, it doesn't happen like all by itself alone. No, it happens when you take a step closer to God, like you have to take a step. And with every step you take, God will meet you right there. In other words, it happens when you're living a life with a heart of worship. There was a song written in uh, 1999. Guys, we go ahead and turn the lights off. I'm going to close the service a little bit different today. And there was a song written in 1999 called The Heart of Worship. And whether or not you've heard this song or not, you go ahead and turn this mic on for me. Matt, thank you, bud. So whether or not you know the song or not, there's something powerful about the words of this song. In fact, I wasn't planning on doing this today. My wife and I were just talking last night. And uh, we were reminiscing. reflecting on who God who God is and what he's done and and in that reflection we just got to a place where 
the song Heart of Worship kind of stirred in our hearts. And Linda asked me to go play it on the piano and in our house. And, and when I did, I just began to experience what I'm teaching you today. And whether or not you know how to play a piano or not, it's not the, it's not the point. But what I want us to do as a family in this moment is I want us to reflect on who God is, what he's done. I want us to come back to the place where it really is all about a heart of worship. And whatever your posture is of worship, if you want to stand, if you want to kneel, if you just want to just sit in your chair, that's fine. But I want to do my best to lead this song with us together and you to join in and to experience everything that I'm talking about today. Because something powerful is going to happen. It's one thing to hear it. It's a whole other thing to experience it. And so if you'll just set your heart at a place just to receive, something powerful can happen. When the music fades and all is stripped and I simply come longing just to bring something that will bless your heart I'll bring you then a song for a song in itself is not have required you search much It's all about you when 
We love you. We thank you for your presence in this room today. It's your presence. It changes our hearts and our lives. We recognize that, God. And we repent for making it anything else. We repent for taking, for having things in the way of prioritizing you. Today, we put you first. We need you. We long for you. And we love you. Now, I just want to encourage you to remain in this attitude of worship. I didn't ask you to sit down if you're standing. Um, in this moment, there's not much more that I need to say, but the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to some of you today. Some of you have walked away from God. You've put other things in His place. You're a great person and you love God, but the truth is you've walked away and your relationship isn't what it used to be. And today, God's calling you back to that place. For some of you in this room or even online, you've never given your heart to Christ. You've never come into the relationship with God. You've, you've never really taken the next step to just surrender your life and your control to him. So that would be my encouragement to you today is to take that step and wherever you are on your journey, I just want to pray for you and I want to lead you in a prayer of coming back home, coming back to the place of worship, coming into this relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, because Jesus died to pay a price to remove the sin and the separation that sin has caused between you and God. Because of the beauty of Christ, the barrier has been removed. And when that barrier is removed, that relationship is restored and the beauty of his presence becomes alive in your life. And so whether you've walked away or whether you're coming home for the very first time, 
I would encourage you to say a prayer like this. In fact, we're a family. Families pray together. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But if you're here today and like to say that prayer for the first time, or the first time in a long time, would you just repeat this with me? Everybody pray. Just say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me of my sins. I repent. I turn back to you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I put my faith and my trust in his resurrection power to bring me into a relationship with you today. I surrender my life because you surrendered your life for me. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. Help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to live this out every day. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together today and celebrate with those who may have said that prayer for the first time? I'm proud of you, church. Hey, as we close our service, our team's going to be.